You sit in the geneticist office and they give you a piece of paper with a long list of letters and they show you the chromosome that has been affected and the gene that has been deleted or mutated. And it's like they're speaking a Russian language. It's incredibly confusing. How far is too far to go when wanting the best for your child, especially when it comes to treating diseases and improving their quality of life? I think if we've learned anything from 2020, it's that if there's enough motivation, money, and support, a cure can be found for anything. So what about your child's rare disease? I met a fascinating man. And he's just like you and me. His name's Terry. He works a nine to five job uh, living locally. And he thought he had a normal, healthy baby. Here is the story of a young boy named Michael. On December 17th, uh, 2017, I gave birth to a healthy baby boy. Around six months into uh, his life, Michael was not uh, reaching certain milestones. We called up some physiotherapists. He gradually started to progress and he started reaching for things and he started crawling. And we thought we were out of the woods. And so we went to sick kids in Toronto. They weren't sure exactly what was wrong with Michael. They should do uh, genetic testing. I'll never forget the day, April 2nd, um, Michael was diagnosed. Michael was diagnosed with SPG 50. We were told that he had an ultra-rare neurodegenerative disease. Uh, over the next four to six years, we'll lose the ability to walk slowly, we'll lose the ability to use his hands, we'll eventually take his, uh, his mental capacity. My husband started Googling. We kept finding hope. There was hope. There were other families out there. They were looking at gene therapy. With that hope, my husband started on a new journey, a journey to cure Michael. I think in the end, all we want to do is have our little boy uh, lead the most normal life possible, enjoy uh, spending time with his brother and sister, and live the life he deserves. The journey will be long, and it will be hard, and it will be expensive. And that's why we're asking for support. It will cost $3 million, and there are no guarantees in life. So I know that's incredibly hard to listen to, I know, but now Terry is on a journey to help find a cure. And there are millions of parents out there, um, like you and like me, wondering if we could do the same thing. That's what I want to talk to you about this episode. Can we cure our child's disease? I'm Josie, and this is my podcast called Love and Special Needs. I want to talk to you about a cure how to cure your child's disease. We're gonna follow a man named Terry on his incredible journey to find a cure for his little boy. I think though we should start with just the basics. So um, I met with a genetic counselor. She's gonna tell us a little bit about genes, chromosomes, and all that good stuff. I remember sitting in that office at SickKids and them trying to explain what a gene is and how, you know, a mutation is and how my child got Soto syndrome. And I remember they gave me the analogy of the instructions. Like it's a human being is like a book. Um, and the book, I guess we could call is the genome. And there's chapters in a book. And genomes are made up of small parts called chromosomes. And there's paragraphs and sentences and words and 
one gene is like a single sentence in in the instruction manual. And I guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or re-explain this, please. Um, Cole, my son, has a spelling mistake in one of the words in his book. And that spelling mistake gives him Soto syndrome. Is that is that right? Uh, so it's like a four-letter alphabet, and different combinations of these four letters are what make up all the genes. There's about 25,000 pairs of genes in all of the cells, so lots and lots of genes. And each gene is an instruction for how to make different proteins that then go on to make the human body. So if there's a difference in one of those genes, which the genetic counselor alluded to is sort of like a chapter in a book, so there's a spelling mistake within that book, then what can happen is that that gene's no longer able to make the protein properly. And depending on what role that protein has in the body, it can lead to different genetic conditions, one of them being Soto syndrome. Imagine waiting for years to learn uh, what's causing your child to be sick and then only to receive a diagnosis that you've never heard of before. That's basically what happens to a parent with a child with a rare disease. 50% of patients affected by rare diseases are children, and 30% of these children will not live to see their fifth birthday. There's no drugs. There's no cure. Um, I'm incredibly fortunate to have a son who doesn't have a degenerate disease, which means that uh, it's not a progressive disease. And that often will end up, you know, a, a progressive disease with the loss of function in the organs and tissues. But others are not as lucky as I am. I was uh, just talking to a friend about pharma on the phone yesterday, you know, like big pharma, big pharma. You're hearing it so often right now with COVID. And it's interesting how pharma has such a bad name to anyone who's healthy. But I think to people who are sick, the sick community um, and to the rare disease community, they can be lifesavers and they can be everything you want and you need, but it's hard. Today, some parents are becoming Dr. Google. Um, they're becoming, you know, what are they called? Science parents. Uh, they're taking medicine into their own hands. They're hiring their own doctors and teams to find cures for their children. Last year, I hosted Rare Disease Day in Toronto, and I met a man named Terry, and he was fascinating. Here's a question for you. If you had a child with a rare disease that could lose all mental capability within five years, would you spend that whole time while your child is alive and healthy, finding a cure? Would you give up your life? Would you give up your financial security? Would you try to raise $4 million knowing that once you had that money, you still may never get an answer? I want to introduce you to Terry. Terry, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, Michael was born on December 17, 2017. Um, very, it was an uneventful birth, actually our third child. We went to the hospital two hours later, we were home. Um, everything seemed fine. Everything seemed perfect. And then roughly about um, six months after Michael was, was born, we started noticing that he wasn't lifting his hands um, and that he wasn't able to lift his head. And we brought him to the doctor and they found that um, he had he had uh, what seemed to be microcephaly, which was a small head and low muscle tone. So we started therapy uh, pretty much immediately. And the thought was that his head would just start growing again and that it, nothing, would, nothing would be a problem. 
Um, about four months into that, we his head still wasn't growing to the to the number that we needed, um, but he was making gains in regards to his his muscle tone. So um, the pediatrician sent us to sick kids, and they thought maybe he had Zika because I was traveling to Latin America. Mm-hmm. Through a whole bunch of tests, we we you know CMV, um, uh, syphilis, and a whole bunch of other diseases they thought maybe he had. Um, he didn't have any of those uh, infectious diseases at all. Um, so they were kind of stumped and they said, okay, well, we'll send you to neurology, um, at SickKids. So we went to neurology, they ran a whole bunch of tests as well, and they didn't really find anything that would be pointing to what's going on with Michael. Um, you know, people call this the, you know, the identification odyssey or the, you know, um, and, uh, luckily the team at SickKids ran a genetic test and they found that Michael had this terrible disease called SPG 50. And that was on April 2nd uh, of 2019. Spastic paraplegia type 50 um, is a neurodegenerative disease that causes uh, paralysis and limits brain function. Um, So a healthy looking baby boy like my son, Michael, um, will eventually start becoming paralyzed from the toes and it'll work its way up to the shoulders and uh, cause his brain to not develop correctly. Um, you, you can consider it almost like a progressive cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and the paralysis is not like, you know, complete loss of, of the, of the, of the, you know, the limb or the arms it's, it's stiffness. So it's, it becomes so stiff that they cannot use that limb. You know, when we met last year, I was blown away by what you've been doing. You are a fascinating everyday guy who's trying to find a cure. And I want to know what that entails. You know, a lot of these diseases, uh, you know, children start showing symptoms around six months of age. And and the problem is that they're usually either missing a protein or an enzyme. Mm-hmm. And you can't just put that protein and you can't drink something to replace that protein. So what happens is there's, you know, the way that a protein is made is you have DNA, and then your DNA makes something called mRNA. And then mRNA makes protein. That's the, you know, the, the sequence. And people will be familiar with mRNA because that's what COVID is based on. The, the vaccines they're making for COVID is based on mRNA vaccines. Um, so DNA is permanent. mRNA is somewhat temporary. And then protein is very temporary, like a day or two. Mm-hmm. So the only way to fix these problems is to replace either the DNA or the mRNA to start the protein. They need this protein. That's the that's the bottom line. And and yeah, that's that's what we're trying to do. That's what this whole research, the thing that we're doing right now. So tell me how you started this. Like how did this what do you you need you told me you needed a mouse and you needed like there are so many pieces <laughs> to this puzzle. And I was just like, how does one individual do something like this? So can you explain it to us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when Michael was diagnosed on April 2nd, you know, uh, our world was, was broken. You know, a piece of my soul has been taken from me and I'll never come back. And all I can think of was I need to make my son better. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what do I have to do. If I have to sell everything I, I, I own, so be it. If I had to give my life, I'll do it. And I started reading everything I could. I must have read 100,000 articles in, in the span of a couple of days. Um, and, uh, and so what happened was I realized that of all the therapies that were out there, the really, the only one that would make sense for Michael that would give him a better life was something called gene therapy. 
And about a month after Michael was diagnosed, it was a conference in Washington. And it wasn't meant for parents to go to. It was meant for doctors to go and talk about gene therapy. So I flew out to Washington and I had this sign that said, you know, wanted, and it had Michael's picture and it said, cure for, cure for Michael, contact me. And I walked around and I made appointments and meetings with all these experts from around the world that were experts in gene therapy. And I met six of the seven world experts. And then I flew to London, England um, a week later and I met the seventh. And then we hired uh, an amazing researcher named Dr. Stephen Gray out of University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, who has about 20 of these programs currently and was doing something, a, a gene therapy for a disease called GANS, a giant axonal neuropathy. And what that gene therapy did was um, basically what they took was a virus similar to COVID, but this one's called AAV and uh, it leaves a gap. So it doesn't cause any sickness, this virus, but it has a space that's empty. So these scientists figured out that if you take the gene and you put it into this empty space, you could do gene therapy, gene replacement therapy. So replacing the gene that's missing. And what they do is in, in our case, they're going to inject it into the spine, into this uh, area where there is spinal fluid. And they're going to inject that gene therapy into the spine. It's going to go to the brain and it's going to um, infect the brain through this virus with the missing gene which will then start building mRNA, which will then start building protein, and in theory, uh, either stop the disease, reverse it, or potentially even, you know, make Michael much better. Um, so wow. that's, that's what our path went down. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's how we got started. <laughs> yeah. and, and, then, and then it was, and then it's, you know, from there to here, it's been a significant difference. Well, a lot of people listen to this story and they must think you must be a billionaire to do something like this, right? Because like the average Joe, they can't do this. This just seems just like, it just, it seems unattainable. How can you tell us about your like funding and how you did this? So first we thought, can we even do anything? Can we even help Michael? That was the biggest thing. Can we do something? And the answer was, yes, we can do something. Yes, we can do it, you know, quickly. The, the more money you have, the faster things happen. But the reality was that we need to raise $4 million. There was no guarantee that it's going to work. And there's no guarantee even after we make it that if we raise all this money, that Michael would even be selected because this whole selection process is anonymous and uh, unbiased. So, you know, we, we had, you know, this giant yeah. number and, and um, uh, no guarantees. So we took out our life savings to start the program because we thought, you know, why wait for us to start raising money? We're committed, we're doing this. So we, we, we gave us our life savings, which was about $50,000 we had in the bank. And then um, I told our, one of our neighbors this crazy idea of raising $3 million to save Michael in this situation. And she said, I want to help. And two weeks later, we had a giant party at a beer works that I think it was like 500 people showed up and we raised $25,000. Wow. And the other neighbor that was there is this guy named Bottle Bob. And he goes around the area and he collects aluminum cans that's from, mm -hmm. from recycling bins. And he came that same day that he found out and said, here's a, you know, here's an envelope of money and there'll be many more coming. And ever since then, every month or so, um, this guy, Bottle Bob, who's like, you know, this amazing guy that donates to baseball teams and hockey teams, comes around with money um, and donates to us. And, and, that, and that journey now was 
you know, 1500 people galas, barbecues, $250,000 golf tournaments, um, to the point where we've raised 1.8 million of what was our $3 million goal and has now become $4 million. That's, that's incredible. So what about the idea that Michael might not even be picked? Like, have you wrapped your head around that? And has that changed? And, and like, what, what are you going to do with, with that in your, because I can't imagine that. You know, we're, we're just thinking, let's just get it. Like, let's, let's, let's get to that point And we'll, we'll deal with that when we get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my goal is that, you know, so there's two ways of doing a clinical trial. One is you can do an N of one, which is just one child. And then you can do one for as many children as you can. And our thought from the very beginning was, let's cure as many as we can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for $1.5 million, we could have just cured Michael. But for $4 million, we can cure 10 kids. And for 5 million, we could maybe cure 20. And for six, we can cure 30. So my thought is, you know, if we get to the point where we make the drug, and we're able to build this gene therapy, we'll just raise more money, and we'll cure more kids and Michael will get selected. Isn't it true that it's almost as if for every syndrome, you want someone who's a billionaire's child, and you, nobody ever wants a child to have this. But if they're, you know, it's almost like you need somebody with money who has this, this syndrome in order to fight it. I mean, that's how I see it right now. Absolutely. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, and I'm not going to name them, there's quite a few that have very wealthy parents that, you know, there, there's one, for example, that has 250 researchers working on one gene therapy. Um, a very, very wealthy individual. And I would do the same thing if I was a sure. millionaire, billionaire. Of course. I would. And I think it's going to help everybody, obviously. It's going to help every every child who sure. has that syndrome. Yeah. And, and, you know, you wish no child, like, I mean, the other day we had a, a family in Spain that reached out two days ago, newly diagnosed. And you're like, you don't want to have any child ever diagnosed with this disease. But, you know, you think to yourself, oh, man, if only, you know, this child that was diagnosed was, you know, from a billionaire, we could, we could eradicate this disease from the planet, you know? Now with you got with you guys, was it a mutation? Was it of a gene? Was it, is it in your wife or you at all? Or is this, was this very random? Yeah. So it's a recessive gene. So basically my wife and I both have a, a bad copy of the gene. Um, it's funny enough. Um, my wife and I are from from Toronto, but our parents are from the same island. We don't know, our parents don't know each other. We're not related in any way, but to think that two people that were brought up in Canada were from the same island in Greece um, with two different variants or two different copies or mutations Mm -hmm. got together and had a baby and had this disease is, is like one in, you know, a trillion. You can't even win the lottery close to what we we got. Of course. And now um, with your other two children, do they, how do they have the recessive gene or how does that work? So me and Georgia are carriers of one side. So technically the way that the, the researchers feel is that eventually me and Georgia will get a form of Parkinson's disease. Um, okay. They related to Parkinson's. So um, we don't know what that means exactly. We're not sure if that's you know hundred percent true or not. It's all just speculation. Um, but the way it works is 25% of your offspring We'll have the full knockout, like the full recessive gene of no of two copies. Fifty mm-hmm. percent will have no issue at all or no version of the of the of the gene, and twenty five percent will have one copy. Okay. So we haven't tested our children yet to see if they have a copy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as they don't marry someone with this ultra ultra rare disease, which is only sixty people in the world, then the, then their offspring will be fine. 
So where are you guys now? COVID must have obviously slowed everything down, which you'd never expect something like this to happen. Um, how are you guys doing now? So in research wise, just like you, you mentioned earlier, um, we had to make um, cell lines. So we had to take biopsies from children, uh, skin biopsies, send it to the US, convert those to cell lines. They call them fibroblast lines, which are basically like skin cells on a plate. And then we had to make those skin cells into brain cells. Um, so we can test it in, in as if it's going to the brain. And then we had to make mice that were engineered to have this disease. Um, and then test it all in these mice and these cell lines to prove that it works. And then once you get past that, then you have to start going to safety testing, manufacturing, and and it's it's literally millions of dollars to do that. Like, I mean, a pharmaceutical company to do the same thing that we're doing would cost $50 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're trying to do it for three or four. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's significant. What in regards to COVID, the biggest hurdles we have is one raising money um, because you can't do events. You feel actually bad for asking for money because, uh, and we, and we stopped for, you know, nine months, even asking for any donations because people are losing their jobs they're losing their homes. They're struggling to, to feed their children. And we felt it was inappropriate for us to ask for money during this extremely hard time. Um, but like an example was I did a bike ride from Toronto to Ottawa um, and I met with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, and, um, and and that raised a lot of money because it showed that I'm actually doing something. I'm a you saw I'm a 300 pound couch potato, <laughs> and I rode to rode a bike to Ottawa for four days, and it was it was it was very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. But all of our fundraising, um, all of our you know events have shut down, but people are still continuing to support us. So what can we do now? How can we help you? How can, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast help you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you could, you know, at the very minimum, if you can go to our Facebook page, uh, our Instagram page, our, our, our hashtag is CureSPG50. If you can go there and um, like our page, follow our story, tell your friends, tell your family about us, that that's step one. Step two would be, um, if you can donate, you know, whatever you can, it could be a dollar, it could be you know, a million dollars, it can be whatever you can, can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that money goes 100%, every penny goes towards trying to save these children, none of, none of it goes to marketing or overhead or lawyers or anything, it goes 100% to the treatment. And if we're lucky, and everything goes well, you know, in the next year or two, we can see a treatment for these children. And, uh, and, you know, like, we, like I was saying earlier, for the money we've raised, we could cure Michael, but our goal is to cure as many kids as we can. And when we say cure, it's kind of, it's not a fair statement in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, a child that's born, so the way, I'm not sure if you know this, but the way it works is if you, if there's a drug that can help a child, then it gets into the early screening program, the heel prick after the baby is born. So if we get to the end and we make a treatment and a child is born and that heel prick shows that your child has this unfortunate rare disease, and they inject that child at one month, that child will live a normal life. That is a cure to that child. But if the child is like Michael three or 10 or 14, most likely that's not gonna be a cure. That's gonna be a treatment for that child. So our goal is to eradicate this disease from the planet so that no other family has to go what we're going through. Will it stop 
the progression of the disease? That's the theory. So in theory, what happened, what's happening right now is there's something called axons in the brain. And those axons basically connect your, you know, nerve endings, let's call it from your brain to your toes. And they're swollen right now. And eventually what happens is after they're swollen for so long, those axons die. So the theory is that if we're able to unswell that brain by using this protein that will then cause the swelling to go down, that, you know, hopefully the ones that are not dead yet won't die. And maybe the ones that were almost dead, or maybe they weren't dead at all, we just thought they were dead, will then start regenerating. That's the theory. So in theory, our goal is to say it'll stop the progression. And our hope is that it'll maybe reverse some of the symptoms. Did you ever think in your life that you would know this much about genes and, you know, and, and everything that it's, it's unbelievable as parents, what we have to do and how much research we have. I mean, some obviously more than others like you, Terry, it's just, it's unreal. You must have basically dedicated your life to this now. I have. And, you know, and on top of what we're doing, you know, I get a call, I would say every two weeks or three weeks from a family that says, I want to do what you're doing, help me. And I've helped probably 30 families through this journey. And then what we did was we set up a Slack channel and we thought, you know, oh, who's going to come to the Slack channel? And it's called Rare Disease Crusaders. And we started off about eight months ago with two people. And now there's 160 different families working on different diseases. So, you know, my goal is that, you know, one day I do this permanently to save children, not just Michael's disease, but any of them. Um, You know, people call us parent scientists. I don't, I think that's an incorrect statement. I think we're just troubleshooters. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone comes and says, there's a problem here. Uh, you need you need money. You need manufacturing. You need safety testing. We build those relationships with the people to help us get through this. Um, and uh, yeah, I never expect in my wildest dreams to ever think that um, I would need to save my son and learn all these things. Um, but it just shows the dedication that any of us have when the thing that we love most in this world is 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 hurting. Right. So. You, Michael, is so incredibly lucky to have you guys as parents because, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of work for you guys and you're just, you're doing such an amazing job. I hope, I hope that somebody who's listening to this podcast right now has the money to help you because you never know, right? You never know who's listening and who is moved by this story and has an extra 10 million in their bank account. You just never know. (laughs) You never know. Absolutely. I mean, if... I mean, if honestly, if we raised, you know, if we raised the money, I mean, and and to put it into perspective, one of the things that's crazy is, um, uh, you know, we we thought our original goal was three million dollars to get the drug into the kids, and and the reality is that um, even the hospitals you have to pay for, you know, and um, you know to treat ten kids, uh, you know, if you talk about just even a hundred thousand dollars a child, that you know exponential over ten kids is a million dollars, right? So. Everything, unfortunately, costs money. And if we can get, you know, even an influencer, if there's an influencer here that's listening to this this podcast, you know, influence can do significant things. Yeah. And, you know, anything can be, any, any help would be truly appreciated.